This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. I don't know if most of you know, but Sundays I would leave here and go home and cry because I was in so much pain like all the time and it hurt really bad. Um, But God, so I said, you know what? I'm going to go home. And I did. And we went to a service on, well, actually I went to a women's retreat. I was there for Friday and Saturday nights and I was able to do a lot of heart work and uh, really ask God to go deep and to just let me know areas where maybe I was holding on to stuff, bitterness, unforgiveness, um, resentment. And he just bought up a whole bunch of stuff and I got healed there emotionally and worked through some things. And then on that Sunday, I went to uh, Bobby Hills Church, uh, Riverbend. Hey, shout out. And um, during worship, I was just, we were sitting in the back row. And I Believe in Miracles, that song was the last song that they sung. And, you know, I sat in my chair and I was like, I believe you, God. And that's part of the words, I believe. (laughs) I believe in miracles. And so often, you know, I'm huge on what are we singing? What, What are we singing about? And I just sat there and I said, God, I believe you're a healer. I walked in with a walker and a pelvic belt and crazy amount of pain and he healed me during that song and you know again I'll go into more detail next week but I'm healed I can run and jump and take my boys out to play and uh, I feel better than I felt even before I was pregnant which is like crazy so yeah um that is that I just want to give God all the glory and thanks and just let you all know like our testimonies and the things that he does in our life they're not for just us it's not just for me and my boys because I want to take them to play at the park and my husband so I can help cook them some mean meals whatever it's not just for us but it's for the body to encourage you to believe again to hope again so no matter what you're facing no matter what you're going through understand and know you know the timing may not be what you expect because I didn't expect six months. And they gave me six, three months at first. And then they told me a year. <laughs> and I didn't expect, you know, that it would take this long, but it did. And I'm glad it did. Because in this time, God met me. And he was able to bring up some stuff in my life that I needed to fix. Pride issues and all this other stuff that you really wouldn't take a look at unless you're really going through a fire. And I was. So I just want to encourage you today. No matter what you're facing, trust God. Keep your hope steadfast in Him. Believe His word because it is true. He will do what He says He will do. He's a healer. Guess what? I'm healed. And no one can take that from me. No one. So yes, I believe in miracles and God did one in my life. So whatever you're expecting God for, keep on hoping and keep praying. Keep trusting. Amen. But there is a day where we're going to be resurrected from the dead. That this is an over conjecture. It's not my guess. This is what this life is all about in Christ. This is why we have the ultimate victory. That regardless of how bad it is, we know death has lost its sting. The grave has no more power over us. And because of that truth, we can live in such a way that is attractive, compelling to those people who don't know Jesus Christ. The Bible calls us sons and daughters of God. It's a term you don't walk around saying, I'm a son of God. 
power of God. But the implications are tremendous. You almost can't even come to the conclusion of that reality. That you are, because you place your hope, trust, faith at the feet of Jesus Christ. You have something in you that we're all waiting for. Eternity. I don't drink coffee anymore, so this is not a coffee eye. <laughs> I'm on tea now. I know, Leo, I'm sorry. <laughs> but this is real. This Mother's Day, there is a hope beyond all that this life is not all there is. That one second after your heart stops beating, I guarantee you, guarantee you, come and see me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I guarantee you, you'll still be taken. You'll still be trucking. The scripture conveys this reality even in the Old Testament. It may not be something we actually like to hear, but remember, when Saul had lost the anointing and Samuel was dead, and Saul went to a medium, a witch doctor, and Saul had to get a word from God, so he couldn't get from God, so he went through a medium to get to Samuel. And Samuel, in the scripture, in the Old Testament, was conscious, alive. She didn't even tell what he looked like. She knew on first appearance who the person was. This life is not all there is. We can trace this same theme from the beginning of the Bible all the way until the end. We have a hard time today communicating that reality. We don't say, well, there's a different dimension or a different world because our world has made a joke of these terms. A gateway, a portal. We don't know, but what we know is when our eyes close to this world, when if I happen to be an old man lying in my bed with my family around me with tears running down my eyes that I've lived a life that honored God, I will take confidence in knowing that I will see all of my loved ones again. This is the home. This is why we're going to church. I know there's a lot of people who did not come to church this morning because it was Mother's Day. And there are some of you who are in the seats right now and you're struggling because you've lost your mom. But if she was in Christ, there is a hope that you will see her again. This is not fake. I'm not just saying this to make you. We already took the tithes and offering. You can't, I'm not asking you to put any more money in the tithes and offering because of this truth. I'm saying this is when I wake up every morning. This is why I have discipline. This is why I make sacrifices. Because Jesus' words are true. Hug your wife a little closer this tonight. Hug your husband a little closer today. Hug your kids a little closer because death is not the end. Not by a long shot. But it's your responsibility to build that faith every day. Because if you go two days without working out, I've gone a couple months without working out, your, your body just don't function right. It just, I just don't move the same way when I was working out every day. So I try to start working out months later and I just don't, oh, 100 pounds is heavy. Now, if you're not constantly in your body, talking to God, communing with Him and other believers in Christ, that when these struggles come, when these doubts come, when death comes, you will be paralyzed 
It's like you have no faith at all. So my hope for you this morning is that you build your faith. Let's jump into the service series. We're still on the sons of God. And we'll be on this uh, topic for the next month. It's an important topic because it's one of the Beatitudes. And I didn't take the traditional view of uh, the sons of God. I tried to take a different perspective. We're not doing necessarily topical sermons. But we're doing exegetical sermons using different aspects of the sons of God throughout the scripture. And today we have one I'm excited about. Uh, i got a scripture uh, quote by Martin Luther. And Martin Luther said this. He said, He said, Our Lord has written the promise of resurrection, not in books alone, but in every leaf in the springtime. See, our calendar is not set because of historical events according to the calendar the Lord said in the Bible. See, if, if we were more biblical, we would have this perspective that every springtime is symbolic for the ultimate hope of mankind, the resurrection. Every time you see flowers budding and trees budding, every time you hear the birds chirping, you know that life always in God, always in God, comes after death. It's something that should be ingrained in our psyche, but it's not because our calendar is awkward. But nevertheless, if you open your Bible, you'll see that theme playing over and over, that death is not the end. So kiss your spouse and look her or him in the eyes. Pray for your kids. Pray for your family. You don't have to worry about being vulnerable or being hurt or one day getting that phone call that they, they may have had an accident because you know that even if you do get that phone call, that you will, I guarantee, come see me if I'm wrong. See them again. This is our hope. It's not like we're believing that the Vikings will win the Super Bowl. I'm throwing it out there. They will. I'm speaking it. <laughs> but I'm uncertain of that. I'm being honest. I don't know. We may be the next 100 years. The Vikings may never win, but I'll never give up hope. We're not talking about the Bears or the Packers, the Vikings. But I know. Without a shadow of a doubt, just like one plus one equals two, just like my name is Anthony Emmanuel Baxter, I know that this life is not all there is. We've been called sons and daughters of God, and if you are a son or a daughter of God, you have eternity within you. And this life is just a foreshadow, a foretaste, just the appetizer of the infinite course meal that's the come. I was going to say four courses, but that was too short. So take heart this morning. If you can't open your Bible, so Luke chapter 20, we're going to go through verses 27 all the way down to verse 39. And I'm going to pray we'll get started. Father God, in the brief time I have this morning, I ask you to use me for your glory. I ask you to put a seed of righteousness deep in the hearts of your children. And I pray, Father God, that seed will bear fruit that will produce that mighty harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 27, you have to understand what Jesus is going through. This is the last time Jesus comes into Jerusalem. This is the last week of Jesus' life. And he is facing some mighty confrontation. 
And this scene in this scripture right here, he's in the midst of going through academic arguments based upon the scripture. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious leaders are trying to prove him wrong. What they want is Jesus to say, I am the Messiah. And if Jesus claims to be the Messiah in public, they can say publicly, blasphemy. And then they can execute him. But Jesus is so smooth, so wise. They, they have set up certain questions that should trip him and force his hand. But he has ways of answering the questions truthfully and even convicting and convincing the audience that he is who he says he is without saying these words, I am the Messiah. And here, these individuals come to him named the Sadducees. And the joke when I was growing up was, these people are sad, you see. <laughs> Why were they sad? Because the Sadducees were the political elite. They were the intelligentsia. They were the bourgeois, and I'm not trying to crack on anybody. If you have to be one of those people, praise God. Story. The, the Obed, uh, what's his name? Obed Edom. Obed Edom. No, no, no. Oh, Ruth. Ruth. Obed. 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 That's because the coffee is not working. And he had to take the place of another kinsman who didn't, in a sense, take the responsibility to marry the young lady, to carry on the family line. There's another story which is not as good, and this is the reason why I couldn't remember this one, because this guy's name was Odin. And Odin, he married Judah's wife, Tamar, in order to propagate their kids. But... Whenever they had intercourse, he would withdraw, thankfully there are no kids in here understand, withdraw before he would actually have a movement. And because he wouldn't, in a sense, go through the whole process, God killed him because he was unfaithfully disseminating the responsibility without honoring the young lady. So he died. So this is a law that's passed on from the beginning of time and assists our biblical faith until the end of the law. So this here is a question that some of the Sadducees have in front of Jesus about, you know what, whose wife will this woman be on the resurrection if the resurrection is true? Let's jump into the text. Verse 37 says, Then some Sadducees who denied that there is a resurrection came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies having a wife, and he dies without children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died without children, and the second took her as wife and died childless. 31. Then the third took her, and in like manner the seven also. And they left no children and died. Now let me stop here. So what's happening here is they're trying to say this is foolish, this matter of the resurrection, because this woman can't be married to seven men when they're resurrected. And the logical conclusion is, well, wait a minute, it's not true. Because this is a loophole in a sense. It's, it's, it's something that contradicts itself. But Jesus and Luke doesn't answer like he does in Matthew. In Matthew, he answers, you know what, you guys, you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. He said, you're misunderstanding the whole point. God can do anything. The so here it says, 
So therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife does she become? For the seven had her. Jesus answered and said to the sons of this age, Mary, and are given in marriage. This can be cataclysmic, or this can be a good thing. Because what he's saying is, marriage is only for this time for us. Marriage isn't eternal. I know we make marriage seemingly the most important thing in our lives. It's important. But understand here, marriage is not something that passes on to the sons and daughters of God for eternity. Now, it brings challenges when we think about that. What about my husband? What about my wife? My hope is that you understand in heaven, we are promised pleasures that far exceed any pleasure we can have here on this earth. If I'm wrong, come and see. I guarantee you, eating food will be blissful in comparison to the most, I don't know, exorbitant, uh, whatever dopamine experience you can have. Let me just get through. It doesn't matter how much dopamine you kick out here on this earth. No, it doesn't matter what pleasurable experience you have. It can be a Christopher Nolan movie. It can be the smell of a Range Rover. It can be a trip to San Diego. It can be going to Israel. It can be the birth of your first child. It can be you become the president. It can be the Vikings win the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. None of it matters because all of them pale in comparison to what we experience moment by moment in heaven. But sometimes that doesn't move us because we haven't placed our stake in heaven yet. We're still here on earth. Our hope is still here on earth. Our treasure is still here on earth. We're just like sometimes the Sadducees. Because you know what? All their hope was here on earth. They didn't believe in the resurrection, so they lied and stealed and manipulated to get position and power now. They compromised because they needed it now. They didn't believe in eternity. Don't you see what happens when you lose sight of eternity? How you begin to compromise over and over again. They got to the point where they were the religious leaders of Israel. They were even above the Pharisees who believed in the resurrection. See, the Sadducees were good at winning one group of people, rich people. They could win the rich people, but they couldn't win anybody else. The people actually believed the Pharisees over the Sadducees. But the Sadducees had the power, but they only had it for a short amount of time. It goes on to say in verse 35, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age, it's talking about hell, and the resurrection from the dead. Now this is, it may sound like a bad thing, but it's not. Neither Mary nor are given in marriage. See, most people misunderstand the central purpose of marriage. Marriage is designed to represent Christ in the church. Marriage is designed to represent Christ in the church. 
That's why you see in the scriptures all these kind of like rules that wives have the husband. Because we as the church can't usurp Christ's authority. We surrender, we submit to Christ's authority. And here on earth, the same principle is being communicated through marriage. We don't like to hear it. I know. There's a lot of people that like to hear it. I'm going to preach what it says. Because I need you to know the truth. Because God's ways are trustworthy. And when people see a husband and wife walking according to how the Bible has in a sense expressed it, people are in a sense exposed to God's ultimate truth. That you know what? It's about Christ and the church and what the church and Christ will ultimately birth. It's a mystery. Paul talks about it. We'll talk about that maybe during October. He goes on to say, now this is a big point you got to realize. The point of marriage on earth is to have kids, the main point. Not just preach the gospel, but you need to have children. In heaven, we're not going to have children. We don't need to have children because we're going to live forever. We never die. That's it. Even though we think right now, man, I'm like, who feels good right now? Raise your hand, honestly, if you really do. Yeah. Yeah, preach it. Some of you know, so I understand it's okay. We'll, we'll get it together. We'll do the 30 for 30. We'll get it. We'll get it shaped. We'll do all that good stuff. We'll get your health right. We'll pray for you. I'm not able to pray for you. So you got that healing faith right now. Amen. Reach it. But let me say this. How we feel right now is catastrophic in comparison to how we will feel with our resurrected bodies. And I can't even give an analogy. It's almost the difference between having a tricycle and a battleship. It's like the difference between having a scooter and a spaceship. I mean, I can't even, I mean, it's like me playing basketball and LeBron James. I was going to say, no, LeBron. It's like me playing quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. I'll go up there. But it's, you can't compare the two. It's incomparable. We will feel whole. A lot of times here on earth, we misinterpret our needs internally. We're fallen. We assume our feelings are accurate all the time, but they're not. Your feelings are accurate. Your feelings have been affected by sin. Your thoughts have been affected by sin. How do I know that? Look at your body. Your body is decaying. Because of sin. But the promise is eternally are being renewed day by day. There's an inner man you have that is being renewed that will live forever. This printed car has to go back to Avis. It's not ours. We turn it in and we get a better one. One with TV monitors so the kids don't go crazy when we're driving across the country. We're not just going to be human. We're going to be sons daughters of God. I didn't say it. This is about it says, nor can they die anymore. For they are equal to the angels and our sons and daughters of God. Being sons and daughters of the resurrection. Listen to this. If he stopped there, Jesus would have shut them down. But he threw a curveball, followed up with a slider. They couldn't hit it. 37 says, but even Moses showed 
in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised, when he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, this is what I want you to get. This is what I love the Bible right here. The tense of the verb. He's standing on the tense of the verb. Listen to this. The, he, he, he is the God. Think of the, he is the God. He is currently, listen to this. This is how detailed the scriptures are. Jesus is saying, he didn't say he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus is saying, he currently, at this moment, was still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In our worldly perspective, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were dead. But God, who never lies, the Spirit of God is speaking, saying, no, 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 no. He still is. This very second. And I think this is another mystery. Because people wonder, when is a church going to be one? I think the church is one. There are faithful people in heaven right now. Right now. Who are faithful to God. And there are faithful people on the earth right now. A lot of people are trying to get the entire body of Christ to get together and say, baby, no. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The church is whole right now. It's a point you've got to get in your heart. The church isn't working to be whole. We are working to be whole, to be part of God's eternal, spotless bride who is functioning right now. 38 says, For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. 39, then some of the scribes asked and said, Oh, teacher, you know, you know they're in trouble. Because they say, Rabbi, they only like Jesus. They know he ain't been to school. They don't want to say this. He answers so eloquently, so, so much, with so much wisdom, they have nothing else to say. Jesus dropped the mic, and they have the response, so they don't look silly. So they say, Teacher, you have spoken well. But after that, they dared not ask or ask him any more questions. They stopped. It's over. Jesus' words are true, profound, and right, and we can trust him. Jesus is trustworthy. He is. And this is what we try to communicate here at this church. We, we talk about my wife being healed. We've been praying how long, church, forever. Ever. I stopped praying. I won't be honest. I stopped praying. I'll thank you. Lord, your will, not my will. I'm not the great man of faith. I'm being honest. I'm just letting you know. God sovereignly moved because she stayed in faith. She trusted God. You all were praying too. A lot of people were praying. And I was like, Lord, maybe this is the this is the will. And God healed her. My faith has been expanded. My trust in God has grown. I hope yours has too. Because God is a healer. Now you may say, Pastor, we prayed for John and Jane and they didn't get healed. I know. God does what he wants. Don't you understand? We don't even know his name. We, we know the scripture of God. Adonai. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh. Jesus even means God is my Savior. Jehovah is my Savior. 
Jehovah means self-existing one that reveals himself. God doesn't give us control of him at all. We have to trust him to be good. The term is called sympathetic magic. And that's the term I try to steer from as a pastor, as a ministry leader. Because sympathetic magic, sympathetic magic is this. That if I do this formula, then I can pull the slot machine and get what I want from God. Oh, and I say, look how much faith I have. And who's getting the attention? Because I knew the right formula, the right combination of a lot to make God do what I wanted to do. But that's not how God works. We pray and we trust Him. And He hears our prayers and He considers the implications of every prayer. And some He says yes. Sometimes He says no. Whether He says yes or whether He says no, our response needs to be like Job. The Lord gives. And the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of God. Is he trustworthy? Yes. Yes, he is. I've got a couple points that we're done for the day. Point one. The resurrection gives believers the capacity to function as celestial beings. This is a this is very controversial, but it's the truth. We are terrestrial beings now. And once we receive our glorified bodies, we're celestial beings. We will be, the Bible says, equal to the angels. There will be nothing that, in a sense, can hinder us. In a sense, we talk about dimension-wise. We're living in a 3D world. Some people say 4D. It doesn't matter. We won't be hindered by space, by time, by matter. We will be cool. It'll be awesome. And then I might not want a Range Rover anymore. Next point. The resurrection will change our abilities and limitations. We have to understand we are limited right now. We've been, getting, we've been given something small, but the Bible even says, I am beautifully and wonderfully made. I don't look in the mirror and say to myself anymore that I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. <laughs> you saw it in the mirror. I used to say that, but I went right. I wasn't right. I went right. I went right in there. But once I got right with God, I was like, I'm beautifully and wonderfully made because God, you made me. It's, it's so complex. My DNA, my chromosomes, my, my, all my different intricacies of my body and my cascading blood system, all that is amazing. I love the book, um, Behe's, Darwin's Black Box, Michael Behe, when they realized how complex the single cell was. It was the point that I think, the tipping point of science, because you remember Darwin just thought it was like a gelatinous mass, but once they realized there was machines inside the single cell, there were cities inside the single cell, don't take my word, go look it up for yourself. There's information inside. God is so powerful. He created the most simple thing, more complex than anything we have created to date. Hallelujah. Don't you, don't underestimate how beautiful life is going to be. It's worth all your hope. Resurrection body is what this is about. And once we get it, we've been rewarded with it. Hopefully we've proven that we are people who love God the way He wants us to love Him. So we need to look forward to eternity of being or benefiting from being God's children. Last point. In heaven, 
Jesus said here. I, I don't know, but I'm just believing it. 
here. And they're going to hopefully take me to the room where he died. I'm going to say, my Lord was experiencing pain and suffering going up this road for me. He overcame the pain. He overcame the hurt. And he got on the cross and gave up his life for me. Why? So that I could be like him forever. But there's one day I think that we'll see them all. The day we consider the saddest day. Oh, this is the Lord. The day we think is going to be the saddest day of all. Think about it. The day we die. We think here on this side. Oh, I'm going to be crying when you're gone. When you're gone, we'll be weeping, bawling. And maybe if I die, you'll be like, oh, Pastor. Hopefully. Then you'll be like, Pastor Chicken, I know how. Pastor Chicken. <laughs> Pastor Beach. <laughs> While you're crying and weeping and fasting and wearing sackcloth and ashes over my death, I'm going to be in heaven. See, hallelujah. I knew this was all real. I sacrificed so much for you, Lord, and it was worth it. And I'm going to be in heaven, holy screaming to you all, Lord. Don't give up. Keep running. This is not fake. We're not playing games. This is real. God has a plan for your life. Keep running. Run through the line. Finish the race. Because it's worth it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you this morning for your church, for our mothers, for your son, for the resurrection. We hope in you, God. You're better than we deserve. But you, you want us anyway. So we thank you, Father God. We worship you in Jesus' name. The Messiah, King. Amen. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.